0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the Offsite podcast, where we chat all things construction and technology. My name's Carlos, and I spend most of my days talking to construction teams about how they deliver projects.
1: And I'm Jason, and I help build software that construction teams use to deliver their projects.
0: So today we're going to be chatting about Neon and a world record concrete pour. So first up, Neom. I guess to sort of summarize Neon, uh, for those of you who have been living in a bubble for the last year or two and not been reading the news. Um, Neom is a region of Saudi Arabia. It's kind of up in the northern region towards Jordan, opposite uh, Sinai, which is the Asian side of Egypt. So Sharm el-Shea, a resort most people know. If you look across the sea, you'd be looking at Neom. Now, Saudi Arabia have something called the Saudi Vision 2030. Um, They basically want to reduce dependence on oil diversify and think of like a Dubai type project, they need to have a tourism business. Um, And they've got 500 billion to play with. So huge amount of money being invested into this one region. The NEOM sort of scheme itself is split up into sort of five major parts, um, which we'll sort of cover a bit later on in the chat, but the main ones being the line. So that's 170 kilometer long, 500 meter tall 200 meter wide structure it will house something like 9 million people it's a fully controlled ecosystem and yeah a mega project the whole thing is mirrored so the theory is if you're in the desert you're looking at this what is basically a massive wall you don't really see it so it doesn't obstruct the view but um yeah if you've seen pictures online it is nuts um there's something called trojena This is a mountain resort which is going to have skiing, lakes, sports, like a big sort of like Alps-style resort that they've got towards the, what is the north eastern side of the line. We've got the Oxagon. This is a huge city that's built on the coast, sort of is being built over the sea. So imagine the palm in Dubai, but way bigger, an entire city. There's Sindala, which is a luxury islands destination. So building full sort of five-star resorts out in the sea on their own independent islands. And there's it's an airport, because obviously this region of Saudi Arabia isn't the most visited at the moment. So they're gonna to need to get all of these tourists in. Jason, you're smiling. You were a skeptic at first. Uh, does it feel real now?
1: <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to... Um... Yeah, I was definitely one of the biggest skeptics. Like when I first saw the the website, whatever many year or two years or or whatever ago uh i thought uh, someone was pulling a a prank uh, or it was like an onion news story or something like um ski fields in the desert uh and we're gonna build a line hundreds of kilometers long and oh by the way it's gonna be 50 meters wide and 200 meters tall oh and by the way it's made of glass uh i thought the whole thing was a was a was a prank but it's kind of hard if you're looking at the contracts being awarded um, right now to to still have that view. I think I read that the plan is to between 2021 and 2025 award uh, $570 million worth of contracts for the project. Billion, that's with a B, billion, <laughs> yeah. billion. Yeah. Um, And uh, judging by the contracts being awarded like in the last six to 12 months, they're doing that you know it takes a lot to get up to five hundred and seventy billion but the contracts are 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 being let thick and fast to, to contractors around the world. Like if you try and put the size of that project into context, there's no almost no one can really conceptualize that size of project because no one's really worked on like I you can't yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't the, comprehend um, it Carlos. The the line
0: um five hundred meters tall the shard is three hundred and thirty <laughs> so that's how big the wall is right that's absolutely insane yeah you you, the, you can't imagine the, the scope of it i got a friend that visited a few weeks ago works for one of the organizations over there um and he just showed one section of where they're piling so they're building this wall in lots of sections as you can imagine and the scale like is Trump's just, method. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um uh, a little bit bigger than that one it's a fence um, it's a fence yeah yeah, yeah. You say, um, you said, our's oh, it's made out of glass." Surely, that the best place to manufacture a load of glasses in the desert, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Not that easy? but like,
1: but but, Carlos, if you um, if you think about um, like to try and put this in context, if you think about global infrastructure spend, it's something like one point one one point two billion US a year, right? Trillion. So, if if this pro- trillion, if you add if you take this project alone, uh, take the forecast contract value being let over five years, you're, it's literally consuming like 10% of the expenditure or yeah, about of,
0: billion a about 10% yeah.
1: of global infrastructure on a single project in the middle of nowhere in the desert.
0: Just imagine what? the logistics of pulling in the plant like, but but, but even
1: even like, like even before that, right? Like if you think about what it's like currently in like I'm I'm obviously in Australia. If you think about what it's like currently in Sydney or Melbourne to try and hire an engineer, and people are fighting <laughs> over engineers and planners, try getting ten percent of the world's infrastructure spend and finding people to do that in the desert. The Housing them. Um... <laughs> these job yeah, housing them, where are they going to live they, they they you know it <laughs> can't all work from home. Someone needs to actually have a look at this the 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 giant uh sand pit it's uh, it's really hard to comprehend, and you know if you take if you think about the u k and when these projects um you know large mega projects they they they're normally in this like thinking design phase for five ten like years, 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 right. Um, I remember working on Crossrail, people would talk to me about how uh, when they were a child, they remember the government passing the, like, Crossrail 1 bill or something uh, to, to, to start action. And then, like, years later, when they're midway through their career, they're working on something that was an idea or, like, first approved uh, decades before. Yeah, this is, like, going full bore. And it's hard to imagine, yeah, how that happens.
0: Yeah, the the thing that sort of jumped out to me initially... Five hundred billion is a, obviously a massive number, but um, if we are to pick, let's just pull out one of these contracts. So there's a fifty-seven-kilometer high-speed rail between the line, which is the big wall, to Oxagon, which is the the city, and that's just been won by We Build, um, and there was another organisation as part of that JV. It's fifty-seven kilometers long, and it's one and a half billion. If we compare that to High Speed Two that is a bargain of a high speed rail so if you're build if you're spending 500 billion and 1.5 of it is high speed rail it's not even like they're overinflating all these numbers and overspending to like cover the fact that they're shipping in 99% of their work. Yeah, it's the, it's the benefit of building in
1: greenfield, right? Like you're, you've got, you've, yeah, you're not yeah. going through the, uh, the, the busiest city in the world and dodging bombs and graveyards and uh, ancient burial sites.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but still, like the material, like I wonder what um, proportion of high-speed two is to do with clearance and demolition. It's still not going to be half, and even then, we're spending sixty billion building it. If it, if we if we divide it by two, one and a half yeah. billion is like, is nothing, is it? But so this, um, but, and
1: this I is guess like, maybe um, there's
0: only one station at each end, and you haven't got like this massive stuff going on in between. But yeah,
1: but th- I think actually, like uh, if you step back, this is like a a real genius move uh, from the kingdom because. If you think, if you really look at it, over the last decade, governments around the world have been borrowing money at the you know uh, zero interest rate environment to fund the construction of infrastructure. You know the amount of money spent in the UK and and in Australia and and countries around the world to build infrastructure, because they were borrowing money at what appeared to be uh, brilliant interest rates. That's starting to turn, and well, it's turned, and all of these. Countries are starting to go, well, I don't know if we can afford all this money that we've borrowed. And these projects are getting put pushed back. The UK's, you know, as we know, they've stopped whole sections of High Speed 2. Uh, the Australian government recently announced a review into all the projects that, that have been awarded. And expenditure on infrastructure is uh, is likely to just get cut back, right? Which will have a deflationary impact on all the materials. There should be more people available. And the kingdom, who don't have to borrow money, because they've got the world's like greatest money printing machine can capitalize on the, do the opposite of what the rest of the world's doing and just uh, double down on this infrastructure investment in sort of a counter cyclical way. I think it's like a a brilliant play.
0: Yeah. arguably It's it's like the most cost-effective time to do it, but I mean, I I'm going to say that's luck unless they predicted that 10 years ago when they started this vision. <laughs> it's like, it worked out well, but yeah, it's, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, but the difference between luck and vision is who's writing the book, right? Like, like you just... <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they had some sort of master plan to create this economic climate <laughs> just to support <laughs> the Saudi vision fund to build this at the perfect time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah.
1: Uh, so um, do sorry. you want to... Out of out of interest, just for the, like, I'm interested and I, I wonder if other people are, what are the top five contracts um, that have been awarded recently on the, the project?
0: Yeah. So, uh, the one and for we those just mentioned, looking for
1: new jobs, who are the contractors?
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you want massive salaries and no life, <laughs> then uh, head to Neon. <laughs> so, we just mentioned the high speed rail, that's one and a half billion. We've got uh, the construction of the new airport, that's three billion. Uh, that's been let to the Saudi bin Laden group. There is a $2 billion project given to a company called Larson and uh, Tubro. I think I'm pronouncing so, that right.
1: Yeah, they're an Indian contractor, I think.
0: Yeah, they're like a huge conglomerate. Um, but they, yeah, yeah. Are, they have an engineering procurement and construction of what is effectively power generation and distribution to everything using hydrogen energy. So um, huge project wow. there. That obviously supports their whole zero carbon eco side of what they believe the line and the city would be
1: do we know where that uh, plant is relative to the is it near the port
0: i don't actually know where the uh the site is so let me just do a quick search Actually, it looks like it's pretty close to the city on the coast so yeah it's not yeah inland. Th- that would that would make sense yeah definitely we've got a billion and a half um Contract value given to the delivery partners of the line, which is SNC, Lavalin, Jacobs and Parsons. So a lot of obviously here we see on LinkedIn and stuff have moved over as part of one of those organizations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's like general construction management services, planning, project management, construction, that sort of stuff.
1: What do you think happens to like, uh, projects around the world when this like 10% increase of demand happens? Yeah. Does this yes. push? Yeah, what what happens?
0: From a staff point of view? Yeah. Well, there's a quite a number of individuals that we've seen on major projects here that have gone. Speaking to a few of them, they know that they can go over for two years, work tax-free on a tripled salary, come back, pay off their mortgage, and and you're kind of done. I think it would be quite a difficult life. Most of the contracts are like four to six weeks on, and they're like 10 days off. So you really are committing to losing a couple of years of your life in return for that cash.
1: But then like the the projects that are left behind, the ones that are already struggling to contain costs are like losing key staff that have got like knowledge of the project, the history, uh, and probably the most experienced, the ones that are getting the office first to to go over there. Um, That's got to be a fairly big brain drain, I guess, on on these projects and, and contractors generally where these people are getting pulled from. Uh, it be interesting to see how that plays out over the, the next little bit.
0: Yeah. Can imagine the sort of the office vibe at the moment on some of these mega projects where you're getting budgets cut, you're losing team members who are going off to what will feel like the grass is greener and riches. Um, and you're kind of stuck in a cabin somewhere on the, M62, or whatever project you're on. Shout out to
1: the
0: M62. Yeah, I imagine that because it's one of the projects that just got uh, canned by uh, National Highways. Okay. Yeah, it'll be weird. I think it'd be really difficult to not focus and believe that you're on the right sort of thing. Even though those who have gone over have gone, actually, it doesn't seem like it's all it's up to. Um, It is a bit of a sentence. So, yeah. Would you be tempted as an engineer?
1: No. Uh, um, I think I'm past that point in uh, in my life. When I You you asked me when I was 20, I'd be there in, in a hot minute. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be super tempting at that age. Unless you had a girlfriend, then you're going to be dead. <laughs> Disappearing for six weeks at a time. Okay, that's the clip. Yeah, yeah there we go. Um okay moving on so the world's biggest continuous pour of low carbon cement happened recently sorry to be that
1: person because someone's going to do it in in the if there are comments i don't know if there's comments but uh, did you mean concrete or did you mean cement Carlos
0: oh never asked QS a question like that
1: (laughs) i'm pretty sure you mean concrete I yeah, because cements the the white powder, concrete, the grey powder stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It'd be weird to just pour cement, wouldn't it? <laughs> you, again?
1: you wouldn't build. No, no, that's cool. Someone's gonna like there's always that person oh, and I'll be that shit. person. Everyone's
0: gonna know that I said that now. Yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah, Pop Chief Murphy joint venture, uh, London Power Tunnel job. It was seven hundred and thirty six thousand litres, um and it was a fifty five meter deep tunnel shaft basically. So it was the I guess the base slab of that. So that obviously all sounds great. Uh, I'm sure we could talk about how you plan a continuous pour of concrete that big, but I wanted to focus on the carbon aspect or the low carbon factor of the cement. So I think the, um,
1: before, before sorry before you dive in like that, I think the um I think the low carbon aspect is super interesting. But uh, just for context, when when uh when this clip got sent around before before we jumped on, I it seemed odd to me that they were quoting concrete volumes in liters because that's like, no, no one ever does yeah. that. And then, then I started thinking, hmm, and maybe they're just doing that to inflate the number for a bit. And then yeah, if, you, many, do the, uh, if you do the the conversion, cube? it's not very many. It's so it's 736 cubic meters of concrete, which is oh, actually wow. a really small pour. It's tiny.
0: What's that Hinkley oil? It was like... It yeah, so
1: I, I think the largest ever is something like 30 something thousand, uh, cube of a continuous pour, but large mega projects regularly. Like if you're doing a tunnel, like HS2 probably do this, but burying the like pits where the TBMs end up, or if they're not retrieved, um, there's there, those pours are often 10 000 to 15,000 cube. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think the Hinkley one was like 20, I think, or, or it was the SCS uh, on HS2 did a 20,000 cube pour uh at yeah, some okay. point uh previously so it's so like, just um... for context uh this is this is a tiny <laughs> four but <laughs>
0: yeah. Um... yeah yeah it's like someone saying oh neom seven thousand trillion pennies just to make it yeah.
1: Yeah yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 cool yeah uh thanks for that so um yeah Small pour was completed, but the biggest (laughs) ever, uh, low carbon cement pour. Um, So I dug into this, obviously I'm an XQS, my knowledge on cement is subpar at best. Um, So low carbon cement supposedly can be a 70 to 80% reduction in carbon. So big number. And apparently 8% of the world's CO2 emissions comes from Portland cement. So, my simple brain went, cool, we can reduce 6% of global emissions by swapping all cement for low carbon cement, if you just take those sort of rough numbers. So, why the hell isn't everyone using it all the time? So, again, did a little bit of digging. Um, there's the cost side of things, it's just not produced at scale. That like, makes a lot of sense. That will get cheaper as more people use it. The other part is the risk of concrete mix. Jason, I'll come back to you in a second. Obviously, there's going to be a like a strength and durability and everything else that comes with concrete mixes. Um, that's probably at least knowledgeable, but uh, I did find out that part of it is the insurance market. They're not keen on mixes where there's no real sort of historical information on it. I'd imagine what the hell happens after 25 years or in certain climates and conditions and how does it perform? So yeah, you're a uh, concrete mix nerd. What's uh, what's your thoughts?
1: <laughs> that's on my that's on my LinkedIn profile. Concrete Mix nerd. Um, <laughs> you
0: should change it to that. Yeah,
1: I think I think this is definitely this is like a, a an area for for potential massive impact in terms of um, like the sustainability of the the industry. I think we spoke previously about how uh, Langer Rock uh, announced that they were going to mandate all concrete on their projects from something like the first of April this year was going to be low carbon concrete. Uh, and that type of thing, that type of announcement, I presume is specifically designed to push the industry, the, the concrete supply industry, to start making the change that then can drive the costs down. So yeah, if you, if, if large contractors keep getting on that uh, bandwagon, the like you said, the costs should come down. The other, I guess, risks like the, of, of all the industries, the insurance industry is the one that's going to have the like, oh, this is risky uh, view. But <laughs> yeah. um, concrete does like a lot of important jobs. And so, one of the things that the uh, pretty much every uh, structure that is a concrete structure is a reinforced concrete structure. Uh, and that's because, um, not getting like totally into it, but uh, concrete basically can't take any tension. Um, So if you think about a slab, half of the slab or a part of the slab is gonna be in compression and the other part's gonna be in tension. It's rubbish at uh, at the tension part. And so they're like a composite structure of of steel and, and concrete. And the steel bit is like super susceptible to corrosion over time. And so the concrete is not only taking the compression load, but it's like protecting the steel from corrosion and protecting it from the elements. So one of the things that concrete has to do uh, is uh, pro- provide that protection over the long-term uh, and the long-term performance of concrete in doing that um, is, would be directly correlated to the, like the degradation of buildings and stuff and concrete can, so where whole floors are starting to fall to pieces. But that type of stuff can usually be tested for uh, when you're testing the mixes. so there's like a test that you can do that I've had to do on previous projects. Uh, it's called like a chloride conductivity test and you you test the passing of I think it's like a charge through the concrete and so you're testing like how far uh, a chloride iron could penetrate the concrete and so how well it does at resisting that penetration. So I'd imagine because Langer Rock know what they're doing if that was a real show-stopping risk they would have tested for it and so yeah i think that in general my gut feeling is that cost is the biggest barrier and like quantity of supply you know around the world especially when big infrastructure projects turn up in a in a city or a country uh if you're trying to build a you know if you're trying to build a house now in in a in any major city in Australia, your, your concrete pause, you're waiting weeks because the infrastructure project is sucking up all of the supply. If you switch from the most commonly available, you know, GP cement to some specialty thing that doesn't have the supply, you, you, you just can't deliver your project. So I think it's a quantum of supply problem and, a, and probably a cost problem that are the two biggest hurdles to overcome. And I think everything else can probably get solved is my wild speculation, um, if that's what we're after.
0: I love the wild speculation. The cost side of things, given the the stats on how how much CO2 is part of this process, surely, even if it costs, let's go for crazy numbers like double, surely that's the type of thing that the clients, organizations would be like, Screw it! We'll do that. Because I thought you were going to say be... something else.
1: I, I thought you were going to say, surely it's the type of thing that the government should like price the carbon uh, on, and then That's what I'm saying. The, the, yeah. the the the
0: the client should be just paying for that because it's such a big difference that it's worth the money.
1: Well, I don't know. I think, I think at- it's like it's big it's bigger than the client though isn't it like like say even if your client is like a government body like a roads division or something or you know whatever a railway like transport for london or whatever it is they still have a budget that they've got approved for the project they they probably can't fork out they probably just can't turn up with the difference but it's big it's like it's a bigger thing it's a whole of economy thing and um the argument for like pricing this is like going to like the argument for pricing carbon because it's a, it's a, it's like the tragedy of the commons. It's something that people can emit, uh, consume, uh, whatever that is uh, that's not borne by them in the cost of the thing that they're producing or delivering. So I think if you had a, a real whole of asset cost that included the cost of carbon that someone had to actually pay for, like had to pay for, then the math is totally different. But anyway, that that's like a whole political argument that we're not we're not going to get into
0: yeah yeah it makes more sense anyway than you hear a lot of, a lot of projects um hitting their carbon targets by buying credits, and then you hear about all these fake credit schemes where they're actually not delivering anything like they should be um It yeah. makes way more sense to do something that's actually part of the material of the building uh than some afterthought effectively so um
1: yeah yeah the 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 rainforest that's been sold seven times over. Uh, as yeah as the same carbon <laughs> credits yeah, yeah
0: yeah exactly awesome yeah. right thank you jason that's all we got time for today so as always thank you very much for listening